Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. Well, we are coming to you live from the newly decorated new studios. Newly decorated new studio. Actually, it's the newly decorated old studio. Okay, yes. Yes, this is the old studio newly decorated. There you go. Finally, you have now sullied the walls with actual things to look at. Well, no. Originally, the... It was decorated. Well, then we renovated it, and remember, we 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 moved the studio at that point to our glass enclosed nerve center, and we were there for a couple of shows, and then we moved back downstairs. How exactly was that a glass enclosed nerve center? So there were windows on two of the four walls. That is not glass enclosed. That's it was the glass. closest we had. You have windows on two of the four walls in this it was, nerve it was center. The glass enclosed nerve center with the commanding view of the sixth fairway at the fabulous Red Tail Golf Club. As long as you don't look at the clubhouse. Okay. True. <laughs> <laughs> That's less than fabulous. But okay. <laughs> We're going to go with it was subpar. <laughs> Less than fabulous. Anyway, yes, after a mere two years since you have moved back into the original studio location, you now have <clears throat> things to distract me on the walls. And it doesn't take much. Squirrel. None of it had to move. But that was not why we didn't have a show last week. We didn't have a show last week and... It wasn't my decision. It was a collective decision. Do not put it on me. You were the one who said, no, we're not doing a show. I asked you, did we have any stories? And you said, well, kind of one. And you said, yeah, we're not doing a show. (laughs) I'd rather not. I mean, yeah, we could just chit chat with each other, but very few people find that entertaining. And yet you still spent the first, oh, three minutes of the show talking about redecorating the office. I'm just we telling you there are things even, to distract me. We didn't even talk about the pottery throwdown. We did not talk about the pottery throwdown. We could. I mean, it is the off season. I know. We also have not discussed our adventures in cooking. We have not. And, I mean, pottery throwdown, it was Raku, Raku week. Which is one of your favorites. Yeah, because it's lots of high fire. Lots of high well, yes. But, I mean, there were some really good tea sets this week. There were. Unfortunately, can't get to watch it in the U.S. Sorry. You have to watch last season on uh, HBO Go. But it's still good. Last season was really good. It was. It's worth watching. Anyway. Hey, maybe we should talk about Formula One before that, we lose our two listeners. Is that what our podcast is about? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, Formula One. Have the guy in the background going, get to the show. <laughs> so this week. Formula so, One went crazy. Not so much Formula One. It was the media and social media lost their minds and all ran the same story that Peter Bayer has admitted that Michael Massey could be replaced. And everybody lost their mind. They all re- wrote the same headline. 
that Masi could be replaced or may be replaced. Is that not a true statement? Well, that was kind of my problem is I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, how is that different from before? I mean, let, let's all remember, ultimately, Abu Dhabi aside, Michael Masi, like just about everybody else in the Formula One management structure, serves at the pleasure of the FIA. Okay. And if the FIA says, yeah, you're doing a craptastic job, you need to go, they're going to fire you. So Abu Dhabi aside, this was always true. Yes, but now... Much of the media and the fans want it to be true. Well, there is that. But it's not like he even intimated that it's going to happen. Did he say that it's at least under consideration or it's a distinct possibility or it is a possible outcome of what's going on? So Peter Bayer, who is, I think he's the senior managing director for... Uh, the FIA now under um, the new president. He's leading the investigation. He has said, and what has told everybody, what, what has caused everybody to lose their mind, he said, he, as in Michael, he has done a super job. We have told him that, but also that there is a possibility that there will be a new race director. I can only make suggestions to the World Council, and they will definitely include him. And on that right there, everybody went, Michael Massey, maybe he replaced. He really hasn't said anything new. Would you read that quote for me again? He has done a super job. We have told him that, but also that there is a possibility that there will be a new race director. I can only make suggestions to the World Council, and they will definitely include him. If that's the quote. That's the quote. That's what he said. Then the world is going nuts over the wrong piece of that quote. If Peter Bayer just said, I can only make recommendations to the World Council, and they will certainly include him. Well, the so, recommendations will include Michael Massey. So I get the impression that he's saying that the recommendation that he will be included in that conversation of what the recommendations are. Is how I read that. I would I, I I you know, we could we could really dig deep and and subdivide that because what I'm missing here is that he's a nice guy or he's a good guy. Yeah, he, he's done a good job, but one would argue, has he really and that, you know, that there could be a new race director. And that's a distinct possibility that pretty much everybody would say there could be a new race director. So some of the other conversa- comments that were made um, as he talked about the, the, the backlash that came out and, and toward Michael after Abu Dhabi. He said he has developed a relatively thick skin against the attacks of individual teams. When you work at the FIA, you have to be aware that you are working for the sports police. The policeman rarely gets sympathy, as in daily life. 
What has become unbearable is reactions on social media. They will stop at nothing, as you saw with the death threats against William Stryver Latifi. Michael doesn't have a social media account, but the hostility and other channels really hit him. I assured Michael of the Federation's backing in our discussions and let him know we want to continue working with you, but I also need your understanding that we have to deal with the issue. I think that's the prelude to Masi's keeping his job. Well, there's that. Then he says one other thing. And if you'll remember, when Michael Mossy was first hired after the passing of Charlie Whiting, we were told by the FIA in no uncertain terms that what Charlie did was too big for one person. And it was the FIA's plan to break the role into three distinct functions and Michael Mossy's responsibility would be as the race director. Mm-hmm. And the other two functions would go to two other people. We've never heard what those two, who, who those two other people were, what specific functions they got, and what it sounds like now in the comments that are coming from the FIA and from Mr. Bayer is that what they told us they were going to do... They didn't do. Right. Because... Bayer says that, um, where was it? Um, when it comes to reducing the workload of the race director, he said there will be a division of the tasks of race director, who is also sports director, safety, and track delegate. Which, again, let's go back to, that's what you were supposed to do two years ago when Michael Massey was first hired and you didn't do it. Mm-hmm. So it is entirely possible, and I think we've said this in previous shows, that maybe they will actually do this like they said they were going to. And what Michael Massey's role will be is maybe he will be the sporting director or the safety and track delegate, which I think he would be excellent at. And I totally support sliding him off to safety and track delegate. But probably he shouldn't be the race director at this point. That's my feeling. I'm not <clears> saying <throat> you got to fire the guy. I think you gotta, you've got got to change the race director. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be key to Formula One saving face at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. And every single... And unfortunately... We're probably going to see that no matter what Formula One does, but every single controversial decision that comes out of the stewards' room or anything that is questionable in general that the race director needs to weigh in on, it's going to now come under that light, at least for the next couple of months of, well, you know, what if so-and-so was doing this? Mm-hmm. And it's it's going to take time to get through that. Yeah. You're going to have a severe case of whataboutisms. But as much as everybody freaked out about this, this I don't think was the big story of the week. And But it wasn't the one... That the, what I think was the big story of the week wasn't the one that got all the attention. As a matter of fact, it got next to no attention. It wasn't even Autosport. I found it somewhere else. Well, if it wasn't on Autosport, did it really happen? So word is that on February, and we knew February 3rd was going to be a key date for World Motorsport Council to begin with. Word is, and 
the thought was that there was going to be a meeting convened on February 3rd and then it it never got scheduled and now that we're within I guess a certain window word came out last week that an extraordinary meeting of the World Motorsport Council has been called for February 3rd to discuss quote urgent matters related to Formula 1 okay so initially this is what I thought it was, was to have these conversations. And by the way, what, what's important about the, this extraordinary meeting, because like I said, this is not a regularly <coughs> scheduled meeting. It didn't get put on the calendar that way. Apparently, at least in the last 12 years, they have not had one of these unscheduled extraordinary meetings. Oh. When they have an issue that comes up for a vote, they'll send an e-vote and they'll do that all the time. But this is actually intended to be a meeting. So, okay, so that seems logical that it would be the backlash of this issue. That's what I thought it was. Until I found out about some issues that came up about middle of the week. This past week. What happened in the middle of the week? So Ferrari announced and had made plans to have um, a private test in Fiorano. Okay. And for those of you that, that uh, do not know, Fiorano is basically, well, not basically, it is Ferrari's private test track in the backyard of the factory in Maranello. Yeah, they just went out in the back garden and built a track. Yeah. So their plan had originally been to run last year's car for four days of the test, and they intended it to be a warm-up for, um, for Charles Leclerc, Carlos Saints, and Robert Schwartzman, who is their test driver. Okay. Just before the testing plan began, Ferrari had to change its plans because of confusion over whether or not it was actually allowed to run one of last year's cars. Yeah. Why Why was there confusion about that? There are rules for that, right? Well, you'd think that there would be rules for that, but apparently... The sporting regulations for 2022, all that's been published so far was an early draft that was approved in April of last year. That's all that's been published. Yeah. So teams in the FIA have been making on working amendments uh, to those to that first draft for the season ahead, but they have not yet been pushed through the formal process for ratification by the World Motorsport Council. Now you see why maybe there's a meeting on the third. Well, maybe they need to do both of these things on the third. Yeah. So in theory, they could wait as late as the season opener in Bahrain in order to have them ready. But since they might include restrictions on testing, that means at the moment the teams, you know, kind of have some uncertainty around some definitions. I bet. Yeah. So under the wording of the most recently published regulations, teams are not allowed to run a car that was built as built to the previous year's regulations. Uh, it says that the car will be classified as current if it was designed and built in order to comply with the Formula One technical regulations of the championship or those of the previous years or the following year's championships. So going back three years. Okay. Which is what we knew. Obviously, Ferrari thought maybe there was something different coming out of this. 
Maybe they thought they were Ferrari. They got special treatment. I, who knows? The other thing that they have to sort out, though, and it's part of these discussions, is as of right now, these draft regulations, as much as Formula One has said they want six sprint races, they don't have approval. Oh, could we get rid of them? Not only do they not have approval right now, but based on what we heard from Zach Brown a couple of weeks ago, they don't have consensus on them because of the potential impact impact to the cost cap. So we could get rid of them. Their future is not certain at this point. Ah, <sighs> there's hope. Okay. Can we just imagine for a second a 2022 season without Michael Massey as the race director, without sprint races, and with Lewis Hamilton definitely driving? The only question that I really have, going back to Michael Massey, is it's the same one we had the last show. Okay, so you decide that he's got to go. Who are you going to put in that place? Who wants to, that, to have that job? Especially in light of what happened. Charlie Whiting made it look easy. I know. Well, you know, somebody's trying to resurrect Charlie Whiting right now. Either either him or Herbie Blash, one or the other. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Uh, Where's uh, Dr. Frankenstein when you need him? Yeah. And a good lightning storm because apparently that's all you need to animate... uh, well, actually, all they need is the ERS system. Ah. Energy recovery system. Well, it, it generates all the battery power, charges the batteries. Yeah. <clears throat> You're good. Yeah. <clears throat> so we do have confirmation, and, and I have to be careful, despite how everybody else is, has stated this, I need to follow Formula One's wording here. Very important. Okay. We have confirmed the two, the dates and locations for the first two pre-season, formal preseason events. But they're not tests, right? Because they call them events. Well, no. We have one preseason test. Yes, right before the first race of the season. The other event for lat, well, Formula One is calling it a private shakedown. That sounds seedy. So initially, what everybody thought was that we would have two test sessions. Yes. Two preseason test sessions. Um, One being in Barcelona, one in Bahrain. Okay. So Formula One came out and said, well, yeah, we're going to do that. But session number one, which is going to be from February 23rd to the 25th in Barcelona, we're going to call that a, a, a private shakedown event. And there's not going to be any TV coverage. And there's not going to be any fans allowed in. We'll let the press in. Teams can post updates to social media. Formula One will will post stuff to their channels. But there's not going to be any kind of coverage. This is not a preseason test. This is a preseason shakedown event. And their justification, their argument for this is that you know, it, normally when a team holds a shakedown, and they and they do this all the time, um, you know, they set up a filming day at some private track somewhere, and the fans aren't allowed in. Only invited invited media is allowed, if any. 
And that's all that happens. But we're going to give the teams three days to do the shakedown in Barcelona. Okay. Yeah, I... The only thing that I can think of, and it's, it, it still bothers me, this plan, mm-hmm. is because of the cost cap, they're thinking that if they can do this, teams get away from this idea of we need to rent out a track and do a shakedown. The, the problem I have with that, number one, is that a lot of these teams use those days as filming days as well. Mm-hmm for various media things that they're going to have go throughout the year and you're not you've you've taken that opportunity well not so much you've taken that opportunity away from them but they still need to do that work right they still want that to happen so what exactly are you achieving here yeah i have no idea but just odd that we're doing it a little bit differently yeah the the second event the one that will be held in bahrain from uh march 10th to the 12th that is an official test preseason test fans will be allowed to the at the track in bahrain and there will be the normally expected media coverage okay so Media will be allowed to broadcast if they want to. It'll probably be available on F1 TV and, and things like that. But Bahrain is technically the only preseason test. Words matter. Words always matter for Formula One. The fans, from what I saw, did not appreciate this. Um, I did see Will Buxton come up and, and toe the party line and, and try and defend it as well you know this is just a shakedown event and shakedown events don't have fans there so no reason why you should expect that that you would be allowed to a shakedown event but we don't normally have shakedown events that all the teams go to spread over three days yeah yeah maybe they're concerned that with the new format of the car or something that there would be things that would happen that they would not want out from the media side maybe they're afraid of you know so drama i think the given how much the rules have changed Mm -hmm. and we saw how much with no change going from 21 to 22 how disruptive the one real week of testing was. I would have much rather that Formula One had turned around and said, we're going to have two tests and a joint shakedown. And the Mm -hmm. joint shakedown is, and we've seen this before, three weeks of testing in Barcelona. The joint shakedown could have been that first week in Barcelona because I question whether or not if the teams decided not to, to do their own private shakedown Mm-hmm. and did this joint one instead if between the joint shakedown and whatever that actually is and the preseason test whether that's really enough testing for the drivers and the teams on these new cars to truly answer the questions that they have you don't think this is some plot to make it <clears throat> more unknown to 
increase the show. Do you? Possibly. I mean, that's that's the only reason that I could think of, or something of. Well, you know, if we, since we don't allow them to do any other testing, we, you know, we're forcing them to save money and, and work within their budget cap. But we'll also will improve the show this way. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I I don't think that this is going to make things better this season. Now, we do know that even before the shakedown, we will have some idea of what everybody's cars look like. Um, right now, what we know for a reveal schedule, um, Aston Martin, February 10th, which we talked about in our last show. McLaren will be February 11th. Alpha Tori, February 14th. Ferrari, February 17th. Mercedes, February 18th. And Alpine is currently scheduled for February 21st. We do not currently have dates for Alfa Romeo, Red Bull, Haas, or Williams. Okay. So that's what we do. Speaking of the budget cap, Alpha Torre, France Toast over at Alpha Torre says that, you know, th- this budget cap is great. And remember, it's $140 million for the year. Pennies. He's, yeah. Pocket lint <clears throat> for somebody else. He, he, he says that this is not going to have a significant impact. This budget cap is not going to have a significant impact on narrowing the gap and pulling in the bigger squads like Mercedes, Red Bull, and Ferrari. Why does he say that? Well, what he talks about is it's not just the amount of spend that's going on in in the next couple of years, but it's also the infrastructure that's currently in place. And these smaller budget teams, while yes, the numbers are going to start to come down and everyone's going to have to spend the same general amount, Mercedes and Red Bull and Ferrari in the years before the budget cap came into place we're upgrading their infrastructure and investing heavily in all of those bits and pieces so that they had the behind the scenes, that foundational stuff to build and design and develop and you know do the simulations and everything else for their cars that smaller teams like Alpha Tori don't have. Well, we said that when they started talking about the budget cap, I'm going in the Wayback Machine multiple mm-hmm. years ago. That these big teams that had bigger budgets, what they were doing was they were ramping up and spending the money the year before the budget cap came in, which is, I mean, in that this expansion of what you know, France Toast is talking about an expansion of what we had said. You know, they were dumping money into the into the before the cap hit. They were dumping money into that, and yeah. he's talking about the broader sense of if you laid in the infrastructure then you already had it, and then it doesn't come under the budget cap. And that makes me wonder, truly, I mean, based on his point here, and and he's talking about that they never had the simulation tools, they never had the the wind tunnel, they're building a new facility and a new hall and all that stuff to accomplish. If they're doing that under the current budget cap, we know that Lawrence Stroll is putting in something like $100 million to build an entirely new facility for Aston Martin. How is he getting around the budget? How is he handling the budget cap to spend $100 million on a new facility and not run into an issue? Well, I think 
some of it may be some of the exceptions that are in the budget cap. Um, uh, maybe. I don't know. And it may be that, okay, yeah, if, if, for example, and I'm spitballing, if the wind tunnel comes under the budget cap, so, you know, you can't buy a wind tunnel. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's great. But if he's building a facility for Aston Martin, well, Aston Martin, because he owns a stake in the car company, Aston Martin could build a wind tunnel. And, oh, look, they can rent it to us. And now the rental cost for the wind tunnel that was yeah. built large enough and with the right specs for an F1, you know, it's that kind of stuff that France Toast may not have access to the ability to get around the cost cap. So basically what Alpha Tori has to do is they have to go to the clothing company. Mm-hmm. And go to the clothing company and say, "Hey, you guys need a new warehouse that happens in to have Fanzia, a happen to have a wind tunnel that has a wind tunnel because we have to check the performance of your jackets, and we need to make sure that you have heavy duty electrical supplies so that we can support CNC milling machines. Which, by the way, you're going to need those too because buttons. No, not buttons, but but." For, for their stores, they need to make the, the racks. <laughs> okay. So heavy-duty heavy CNC machines... That'll be carbon to, fiber to, racks. To make the displays in the racks. Well, no, you got to mill the aluminum. Mm. And there's aluminum parts and stuff. But they, they are also... They're going to want ovens to, to bake and set carbon fiber because they'll need those for the hangers. Oh, carbon fiber hangers. Yes, for the hangers. And... By the way, in, in, in the off hours. Yeah. Just just to make sure that, you know, you get the most out of your investment for the stores that we can use it to build car parts. Right. A, a third shift and uh, we'll work out a rental agreement. Yeah. We're, 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 you know, kicking back for the fact that you have to staff and heat the building. This is, this, this is Bob. And, and yes, Bob has 18 years and a PhD in aerodynamics aeronautical engineering and aerodynamics he's going to design your new door handles for your stores yes (laughs) yes (laughs) he might moonlight on a rear wing for us yeah 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 but it's a moonlight job only we're paying him like six bucks an hour yeah (laughs) (laughs) i mean there's a way around every cost cap and if you don't think that Christian Horner and Toto Wolf <laughs> and whichever Italian they've got rotating in over at Ferrari um, haven't been plotting for all of these, you want a cost cap? Yeah, we'll be right behind you on that cost cap. Here's a few bucks. Go get me a guy that's going to come. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting when, you know, Mercedes announces their 2023 AMG GT. And it uses the same twenty or eighteen inch Pirelli tires as the F one car. Yeah, <laughs> the wheels look shockingly similar. I know. It's a premium option. You can only get it on two cars a year, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, so uh, over at Honda. Um. Honda's uh, Yasuki Asagi, who used to lead the development of the the Honda power unit for Honda, um, 
he says that, and, and he's involved in, in the current project now, he's kind of skeptical about what teams are saying about the new fuel. So if you didn't know, and I know the sporting regulations are still up in the air, but we're closer with the technical regulations. Those are still drafts yeah. too, aren't they? <clears throat> no, I think they're They're final? Yeah. Um, F1 is requiring teams this year to use E10 fuel. Okay. So E10 fuel, if you're not familiar, is 90% fossil fuel of some sort, some kind of gasoline mixture. Mm. And Decayed dinosaurs. 10% ethanol. Corn. Uh, yeah. Could be some kind of grain is what it is. But it, it's alcohol. Um, well, what they... <laughs> not that kind of alcohol. Anyway. I was just thinking that that's why Jackie Stewart did so well. <laughs> <laughs> he had he had an advantage. Um, sorry. No, didn't you see the commercial? Not tonight. He's driving. Anyway, um, he it's says it's been a long week. That um, the fuel, just characteristics of um, E10 fuel in general, um, the power and energy that it has with the same weight are reduced. Um, he says because of that they have to figure out how to adapt the engine to it. And they've already designed the engine for 2022. It's already in place. And now they have to go with this new fuel. They know that the power is going to be down. Okay. Many of the teams say it's not down enough. It's not down at all, or it's not noticeable. Honda's saying, yeah, we think you guys are lying. Or maybe it's worse for Honda. There's that possibility too. Now, the one thing that he does say about um, the E10 fuel is that the abnormal combustion, what, what those of us mere mortals would call knocking, yeah. um, he says that will be easier to control than what they had to deal with with the, the old fuel. Oh. Okay. But, I didn't know they had a knocking problem. I mean, I could have told them some things they could do. I mean, I've dealt with it with my MG. Did you put so, mothballs in there? No, you don't put oh. mothballs in there. No, you have to get the sea foam and and get you know all the oh sea foam. Yeah, that's right. All, all the the crud out of there. Um, that's one thing you do, and then you put better gas in your car. Well, that's the thing. Is it? This is like race. I mean, this is like 110 octane race fuel. Mm-hmm. You, what more are you gonna do? I mean, that was the solution to the 50-year-old MG was that was designed to run on leaded gas. Well, there was that too. Yeah. So, um, while we're talking about Honda, mm-hmm. if you'll recall, the, the deal that and everything that has been going on with Honda and Red Bull and engine supply was that up until the end of the 2022, 2021 season Red Bull was a works team of Honda correct in 2022 Red Bull would no longer be a works team but would still be getting engines from Honda okay and they were not going to be technically called Red Bull engines right and then at the end of 2022 Red Bull would start up its own engine well well, would supply itself with its own engines so this year they would be designing and developing their formula one engine right that that was the plan honda's walking away 
So it was revealed this week that that's not happening. Honda's not walking away? <clears throat> kind of. Oh. So what's actually been decided is that... Um, and actually, I, I phrased that wrong. In 2022, to, to get the Red Bull Powertrains facility up to speed, they were going to get the parts from Honda and build them. They were going to assemble everything in Milton Keynes. Right. At Red Bull's plant. And in 26, when the engine regulations changed, that was going to be Red Bull building and designing their own thing from scratch. Okay. Well, Red Bull and Honda have said, yeah, maybe we're not going to do that. So instead, the deal that's in place for 2022, where they're going to get full engines from Honda, slap a Red Bull sticker on them, and drop them in the car is what they're going to do. Because Red Bull has said... Yeah, you know, it, it kind of makes better sense that if we just buy the engines from Honda, we won't, we probably won't have the quality control issues. And if we just bought the parts and assembled them ourselves. They don't think that they could read the IKEA instructions for the Honda engine? Yeah. I mean, flat packed engines is what they were talking about getting. Especially when you consider that Red Bull poached a significant number of the engine design and construction staff from Mercedes High Performance Power. Right. They can't build the engine using the instructions that Honda gave them. Okay, so here's my theory. I have a theory. And I folded my tinfoil hat appropriately. They poached all these people from Mercedes. If they buy whole engines that those people don't have to assemble following the IKEA flat pack instructions, they can start designing the 2026 engine. There's that. I think there's something else going on, actually. Okay. What's because your tinfoil hat say? The other rumor that has been flying around, and it, and it did seem really kind of odd knowing that they poached all these people from Mercedes High Performance Power. Um, but the other rumor that had been flying around and we have talked about, is this possibility of Porsche and or Audi entering as engine suppliers. Mm. Porsche in specific was linked on several occasions to possibly having a deal or getting a deal with Red Bull to supply engines. So could this arrangement be because something has happened with the proposed Porsche deal. And so then they don't ever have to build their own engine manufacturing system. Right. Also another possibility. But I think that the surety of this is they've kicked the can down the line to focus on something. Either it's so that they could spend more time designing the next one or more time to solidify a relationship where they're buying engines from somebody else. So in other news, still talking about Red Bull though. Um, Max Verstappen has revealed his first helmet design. And and I'm going with his first helmet design for 2022. Um, Because everyone's like, oh, this is his helmet for the season. And no, this is his first design for 2022. Because the drivers change their helmets on a regular basis. And we were in full support of the rule allowing drivers unlimited helmet changes. As opposed to when they lock that down. 
Yeah, I thought that was a really dumb rule when they locked that down. So, okay, so this is, I'm assuming his default helmet design, and then he will have special helmets throughout the season as needed. Probably. Um, so the first thing he's done is he has replaced uh, the red for his lion and some of the other highlighting with gold to celebrate his his world championship win. Um, he will be running the number one. Yes, I knew that he was... We knew that too. That was not a surprise. Yeah. Not a humble move like Lewis continuing his 44. Um, I don't have a problem with him running the one. It was something that until they changed the race numbering system that was common in Formula One, that if you won the world championship, you got the one. So I don't have a problem with that, and I'm glad it didn't go away. It is an honor reserved for the world championship, and the fact that Lewis chooses not to do it it's a That's humility, Lewis. but it's a humility. No, thing it's for not. If you listen to Lewis's reason, it has nothing to do with humility. He says he, he uses 44 and he's always used 44 because one, he chose 44 because it's, it was Ayrton's number. But that's the number he had going through karting and through all the junior series. And that's why he keeps it. And it was because if he's got the option, he would much rather run under that. It has nothing to do with humility when you listen to him. So, as much as that sounds like a fantastic story, it's unfortunately not true. And Sebastian Vettel has said that given the opportunity, he'd run with the number one too if he was in that situation. And he always did. But when every one of his championships came before the revised numbering. Oh, okay. So we didn't see his dedicated number until after that. Okay. So he'll have the one, he's going to have the one on his helmet, and he has requested a world championship star to be on his helmet as well. Again, he is entitled to it. I I do not criticize him for it. Does it come with an asterisk? Not yet. (laughs) It should. Not yet. (laughs) So couple of months away even though it was at the end of the season this year for for last season couple of weeks away um we'll be headed back to saudi arabia for the Jeddah grand prix oh okay um the track organizers have revealed that they are going to make some revisions to the track to improve safety uh in the final sector um martin whitaker who is the um ceo of the race not to be confused with martin whitmarsh different people Martin Whitaker has said that uh, there are going to be one or two slight changes to the track. These tweaks are directly related to the driver's line of sight from the cockpit. It's minimal work, but it will help improve forward visibility in a couple of corners. Secondly, we will make some small modifications to the barriers that will favor the lines the drivers take around the course. So my question is, they're going to make these changes to improve visibility with the barriers. Are they doing that with the understanding that the tires on these new cars are something like 10 centimeters taller than previous year's ones? And that impacts driver visibility. I don't know. I would hope that they are, but, you know, I wasn't part of those conversations. So I didn't get the the inside scoop as to whether or not they took 
if they were using last year's lines and last year's lines of sight, or if they were adjusting that for the fact that the tires are different. Yeah. Um, he also acknowledged that, and we knew this anyway, but that the whole facility was not quite finished. <laughs> um, they, they are going to be adjusting some angles of the grandstands to improve visibility. They're going to increase the size and, quote, develop the fan zones. Oh, you mean like half of them? Yeah. Um, they also realized that uh, some issues with track location and traffic management, and they had some traffic issues. Uh-oh. Yeah. I mean, considering that only the men could drive there, I don't know how bad the traffic issues could have been, but... Oh, because... No, it's because Saudi Arabia doesn't allow women to drive, period. No, I was saying so men don't get in traffic jams? No, it's because there's fewer people on the road because they don't allow the women to drive. Now, is that still the case? And I do ask that honestly because I thought that they had finally lifted that recently. <clears throat> I had heard that they had lifted it. Then I heard that the, the first woman who got her license, they threw in jail like three months later. Okay, so that Saudi sucks. Arabia, repressive human rights, we don't races one in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, that place. Yeah, that place. Okay. They probably let women drive, but only with their male uh, chaperones. And honestly, I hate to say it, but that might have been why they threw her in jail. Which, again, kind of asinine. Yeah. And if we're banned or blocked in Saudi Arabia, I'm not going to lose any tears. Anyway, Singapore. Remember that place? Night race, right? Formula One's first night race. Home of the Singapore sling until they got rid of it. And, and and the one that had the weird dragon dinosaur that walked across the track. Okay, it, it was a Komodo dragon. It Actually, was I think it was a, a giant dinosaur. I think it was an iguana that, that Max Verstappen almost hit. And the track that goes under the bleachers and the Singapore flyer wheel. And the one that had the random man walking on the track one year. Well, yeah, there was that too. <laughs> That um, place. That place. Yes. We've been there. Yeah. Haven't been there the last two years because of COVID. In theory, we're headed back there again this year because there is a new seven-year hosting deal. Okay. For the race. So at least through 2028. Basically, it's a five-year deal and they gave them an extra two years because we didn't have the race there the last two years. Okay. So should be going back to Singapore for all its weirdness doesn't normally produce great racing except for that one time it rained at the start of the race <laughs> there was the one one time. time i mean come on it was a great race when the guy was walking on the track it was no. a great race when it was the a dinosaurs- hor- <laughs> it was a horrible race until the guy went walking on the track and it was really the only thing that happened and the lizard on the track was not during the race that was during um practice okay. during free practice it was a dinosaur. It was not a lizard. No, that that is what um, Max Verstappen's engineer said. It was it was a real dinosaur, Godzilla. <laughs> it was Godzilla. That's how he described it. <laughs> but moving away from Godzilla and into honey badgers, yeah, Daniel Ricardo. It was announced this week received the Order of Australia. I didn't know that was a thing. It is a high. It, it is a high honor for Australians. Um, He was listed on the Governor General's 2022 Australia Day Honors List. Um, He is the 
let's see, where was it? Um, the announcement of his appointment recognizes both his sporting achievement and his string of charitable affiliations, including the grassroots Ricardo's Racers program run by Motorsport Australia. Congratulations, Honey Badger. And in response to it, uh, Daniel put in social in, in on Instagram, just happy happy flying the flag for Australia. Really appreciate the recognition. You can take the boy out of Oz, but you can't. Anyway, haha, big thanks to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I should also point out that um, this off season was the first time that Daniel Ricardo had been back in Australia in like two years. Oh, wow. Well, they had really significant lockdowns. Yeah. Um, it's, it was one of the ways in the early days of the pandemic that they actually didn't have the pandemic going on at their, because they closed their, they essentially just closed the borders. Yeah. Um, but now as it's worn on, they're getting hit pretty hard. So he got back for the first time this off season. Oh, wow. Yeah. And this weekend was the season opener for the 2022 Formula E season. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. And there was a little bit of controversy in the last lap of the race, the last couple of laps of the race. Did somebody hit the wall and there was a safety car and then they let five of the seven people that were lapped go through and the person coming from behind had fresher tires? Huh? Close. (laughs) Oh, So somebody hit the wall, safety car came out, everyone formed up behind the safety car, recovery vehicle went out to pull the car, and and it was like at a corner, kind of at a blind corner. Recovery vehicle came out and was on the track. Safety car came around and stopped. Stopped? Stopped. Was there a pileup? There were some incidents behind. The race ended under the safety car. Um, but folks are... John Eric Verne apparently was up blasting the FIA on social media over this. Um, now, he's got distinct memories of, you know, last time a recovery vehicle was out and it was a major incident was Jules Bianchi's crash in mm-hmm. Japan. And he he came back and he's like, I, I it, it's like Formula One doesn't learn their lesson, or mm. form, the the FIA rather. He's like the FIA doesn't learn their lessons. He was extremely upset. He was one of the cars that got hit um, because safety car stopped thanks to recovery vehicle on the track. Wow, these the problem with this. <clears throat> the thing that bothers me about it is. These are not difficult decisions to make. And these are not things that like you'd change your mind if you had, you know, Monday morning, you would kind of, oh yeah, I see that differently now. In the moment, you know, you don't do certain things. Well, you know, it it doesn't, and I didn't mention it earlier when we were talking about it um, and the issues with the race director and one of the things that that is being discussed right now with Formula One is when you have one of these incidents towards the end, what you do with the race. Mm -hmm. And the FIA has apparently gone to the teams and said, 
is it still important to you in a situation like this that we do not end a race under the safety car? And the teams all looked at them and said, yeah, it's important to us. We, we, want to end, we don't want to end under a safety car. So Formula One and the FIA is looking at, well, what could we do differently in a scenario like this to make sure that we don't end under a safety car. One of the things that has been proposed, and I don't think it's necessarily a great idea, and I don't think it's necessarily going to work for Formula One, but one of the things that's been proposed is, I guess, NASCAR, in a situation like this, they will red flag, reset, restart, and will essentially erase whatever laps were done under the safety car so that they can end the race under a race under race conditions. Where that becomes an issue for Formula One is that, you know, if you're doing two, three, four, even five laps under a safety car and then they red flag you and they're going to wipe those laps from the lap count, you're not fueled for an extra three, four, five laps. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to allow them to fuel under a red flag condition. So how would you do that? Because that's the other problem is... You know, if you're three laps down and you need to pull out a safety car, even if you red flag immediately, you've got one lap you're going to lose when the cars come in. And you probably lose at least one more lap when the cars come back out. If you're lucky. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know how they pull it off. Yeah. The, the, the fueling thing doesn't isn't a deal in nascar because they can fuel them mm-hmm. along the way and they do um i did i didn't think about the fuel piece but i think that within a certain number of laps of the end of the race it should be an automatic red flag um and, and i do think that right that's answer. I think that that's got to play into this, that you automatically red flag it, let everybody change their tires, let everybody have that opportunity. That gives everybody the fair level playing field to get back on the track Mm -hmm. when the conditions are are clear again. Um, Now, how do you adjust that for laps? How do you adjust that for the, the, the math of that? Somebody smarter than me needs to come up with that. But truthfully, if you put your, I want the fairest. Yeah, I agree with the teams. I want the the races to end under race conditions, but I want it to end under race conditions fairly. Yeah. And the way you do that, the way you do that is red flag at, at a certain point. Um, we have a studio audience member who is a thief. And I need to go chase her down. So we need to end the show now. <laughs> On that note, we'll call it a show. We are so glad you came. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. Are they all gone? Is is, there, is everybody gone? <laughs> huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. <laughs> a little break? Okay.